Welcome to the sixth episode of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like on all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to an inspiring woman who calls herself a CX educator about the power of emotional intelligence. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. Her career began in marketing, holding a number of senior roles before branching out into customer experience. She went on to become a consultant and keynote speaker, but discovered her true vocation lay in emotional intelligence and education when she became the first Goldman emotional intelligence coach in the UK and began lecturing at Pearson College. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Sandra Thompson. Hey, Sandra. Hi. How are you today? I'm really good. How are you? I'm awesome. Welcome to the Women in CX podcast. Excited is an understatement of what I'm feeling right now. I've seen this stuff brewing on uh, on LinkedIn, hearing some of the people that you've spoken to already. Wow. Oh, that's so good to hear. And a very big welcome to the listeners as well. Um, so should we jump straight on in there then? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence, and it's absolutely fantastic to have an expert such as yourself in the room. Thank you. But for anyone listening at home that isn't so familiar with the term, could you just start by sharing a little bit about what emotional intelligence is? So it's an actual skill. That's the first thing to say. And it's a skill that you can learn at any age at all. Some of the people actually ask me, you know, perhaps I'm too old, maybe I'm too young. That's not true. You can learn it at any age. And actually what it means is to have an awareness of emotion within yourself and then to be able to understand emotions in others. And that's really to build relationships, not only um, with people at work, but also at home. So this skill is for your whole life. Um, so it's pretty important stuff. Mm. Now, how does one get in touch with one's own emotional intelligence? <laughs> so you'd start off with self-awareness. There are kind of four areas for you to cover should you want to develop this skill. And the first thing is self-awareness, which actually sounds really easy and it sounds like common sense. I mean, yeah, of course I know myself, but do you? So this is around when emotions come up in you, what are they? Are you actually giving yourself permission to feel what's really going on. Because I think all of us, to some extent, are rushing around, rushing from this, rushing from that. And we're not really giving ourselves permission to understand how we feel about something. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you'd start. You'd start by noticing what's going on. So if something were to happen, you read an email, you had a telephone call, you had a, I don't know, a, a Zoom call. And for something happened that either made you feel great or something made you feel not so great and it's tuning into that mm. and when you've got an awareness where do you go from there <laughs> so when you've got an awareness and this is this is the big thing which sounds again pretty straightforward and I speak to my coaches about this when you have that sensation and you know what it is then you make the decision to react or to respond Mm, that's an interesting difference isn't it between mm. reacting and responding yeah I know it's been years of practice uh, for me to be able to have that pause point between yeah <laughs> reacting and responding so I'm, I'm intrigued like 
what what's first sparked your interest in this field what was it that happened in your life that made this a priority for you so we're gonna have to go back a little while now uh, and this, is, this <laughs> is when um i was actually doing a master's in uh, strategic communications and as part of that you needed to do a dissertation and I love branding and I love marketing. That's what I was doing at the time. And someone had given me this book, this Daniel Goleman book, which was all about this, this idea that you didn't necessarily have to have IQ, intelligence mm -hmm. quotient. If you had this thing called EQ, emotionally intelligence, you'd actually be able to smash it out of the park. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I've got to read this. So I read it and the dissertation that I wrote was all around branding and emotional intelligence. And that was back quite some time ago uh, mm -hmm. and and when I read that at that time there were only perhaps three or four books on the topic and now there are hundreds of thousands so it's probably about 18 years ago that I kind of came across this stuff first off mm -hmm. and and have you changed do you think as a result of having this insight and skill and having become I think it's the first UK coach to be qualified to train others how's your personal experience of life and business and relationships changed um, dramatically um, where to start with that I think I mean I wrote about one particular experience on LinkedIn um, a actually just over a year ago I slipped two discs in my back um, and anyone who's had any back issues will know how excruciating that is uh, and I was probably about six months into my training of understanding now, this is quite a different thing so understanding it cognitively understanding it from an academic point of view tick had that all along actually understanding what it meant to have the skill was quite different and because I'd done already a number of months I felt like I was learning some of this stuff so the old Sandra would have been angry and frustrated and aggressive more than likely with that mm. amount of pain but with the techniques that I'd learned and through the practices that I'd done I found myself being really tolerant of people trying to help, accepting help, that was a big thing, and actually kind of going far more with the flow. And it's only when I wrote this down, I realized how much of a change it was for me. And when I talked to my friends about it, they were like, there's absolutely no way. How on earth did that happen? And I was like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It must have been this EQ stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I do, I do put it down to that. It gave me a different set of glasses to wear, I think. Mm -hmm. And interesting, just picking up on a couple of the, the words that you spoke about there. Um, do you think that the inception point of this is the awareness itself. So being able to master something like your reaction to pain is different than react, just, um, managing your response to people. Like mm. where, do, where does it begin to manifest itself as something so powerful? You can mm. deal with life's, not just curveballs, but. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, so I think that some of the breathing techniques that I had been taught, oh. um, things like the body, people may know of the body scan, it's quite, it, it's, it's kind of in there with mindfulness, some of those things, um, and focusing on everything that was well with me. I mean, of course, wasn't really able to stand or sit or do anything without getting feeling not too good. Um, so I think that some of the physical things that I was taught helped 
definitely with managing the pain, no question about that. So I think um, many people will know many techniques in in mindfulness that they could apply. They probably already are applying, mm. but because I'd had back pain, I don't know, seven years before, wasn't, I don't think it was slip disc. And I knew then that I, my whole life was centered around this pain and this time it wasn't, there'd obviously been, uh, there'd obviously been a shift. Yeah, I've just been undergoing chiropractic treatment myself for <gasps> a bruised disc. Um, oh. Yeah, right. and de dealing with the fact that um, it's probably never going to get better. I've just have to manage it now. Um, sure. And um, yeah, emotionally, especially for someone who's very fit and active and really into the gym, mm. uh, bearing in mind I caused this myself, it was really difficult to kind of deal with the experience yeah. of not just the pain, but like how different my life was going to be because I couldn't do a lot of the things that I normally did to like deal with stress. And of course, in a lockdown, um, that was even worse but my, I remember my chiropractor saying like these kinds of injuries are the result of a very long time of holding stress in your body mm. and um, just how fascinated I was by understanding the connection between mind and body and stress and injuries and mm. that kind of thing so it's, it's reassuring to hear you're saying a very similar yeah. thing and how that connectedness between mind and body and emotion and physical health mm. is something uh, that we can all focus on I suppose getting fitter at <laughs> yeah and it's true and that's the thing isn't it because the science now because we have MRI because mm -hmm. we're able to do brain scans people are proving neuroscientists are proving that the the waves in your brain are mm -hmm. altered if you're able to practice some of these simple techniques so yeah it's exciting times mm -hmm. and I hope that your back's better <laughs> well yeah well it's kind of I'm now in like prehab which is to get back into the gym but very very slowly and it won't right. be the same kind of experiences you know lifting really heavy weights and doing Olympic weightlifting it'll be uh, very slowly slowly but I'm okay with taking my time this time because remaining injury free has now become a much higher priority yeah, than just looking good in a bikini on the beach. Um, having not got any beaches to go to anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving on to kind of this connection then between emotional intelligence and customer experience, I'm fascinated to understand more about your role as a CX educator and how you're bringing this connection to life. Could you give me a bit of an overview of your philosophy about mm. emotional intelligence and CX? Yeah, so I've always thought that the ability of people to be themselves, for people to make emotional connection was really what in, what customer experience was all about. And I've had a couple of customer experience roles before I became a consultant in this field. And increasingly when I do the consultancy stuff, the magic formula is just creating that emotional connection. It's going much deeper than just having a transaction. So the philosophy that I have is basically ensure that you are able behind the scenes to be emotionally intelligent with your colleagues. Because if you're asking people to make changes to parts of their business in order for them to be more customer centered or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. they have to trust that you are who you say you are, that you have the best intentions in mind, that this isn't an empire building thing and all of those things that people perceive when they think that change is happening and they feel fearful. It's a threat, right? It's a threat to their survival. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're able to use techniques in emotional intelligence, empathy, positive outlook, adaptability, and all of those great things, then people are more likely to go with you when you want to create the change. So that's one thing, which is the relationships within the organization. And the other thing that I think all of us can, ex can call on really are times when we have made a connection with a member of staff somewhere. You know, when they've thought, really, really listen to what you've said, and then they offer a solution which is perfect for that particular situation which shows thoughtfulness which again shows empathy which shows that they have gone past what you would expect and created a memorable moment so I think that there's a bigger place for emotional intelligence in customer experience I think if more people had the skill we would have fewer failed customer experience programs if more people had the skill there'd be fewer complaints and you never know if we had more of that connection we'd probably see more revenues more loyalty and all of those wonderful things that programs are meant to bring Mm. I, I, that's made me think of two really geeky questions if you don't mind geeking out with me for a few let's moments. do it <laughs> um so my last guest well second the guest of the episode claire bosk scott was talking about nlp mm. so neuro-linguistic programming do you yeah. think about those kinds of things in the cx education that you're bringing and how that links with emotional intelligence and empathy and building relationships yeah, I didn't ask. I didn't actually ask her, and I, on reflection, I really wish I had. So you can help to fill in the gaps. <laughs> <with Alistair. laughs> so there's there's a couple of things there. So NLP, um, I think, is critical, and I also think that clean language. Although I'm still understanding what that is, my understanding of clean language and NLP as as two techniques to build rapport, to build connection and understanding are really important. So if we think of NLP, you know, you are or you become what you're telling yourself or you say to others. So it's that classic thing of I'll try or I will. Mm. It, that's a simple example. Try kind of tells your brain, that's all right, don't bother, you should have a go. Will is positive, it's, it's affirmative, it's, it's, um, it's determined. So in the language you use and the way that your brain responds to the language you use and how you would respond to some of the nuances in some of the language I use, it sounds technical, it's not really. I think it's just purposeful use of language and I think sometimes and I put myself in this definite I've definitely put myself in this position I sometimes get lazy with the language I use and then I realize I have to be far more intentional and clearly state using the right type of language to get the response I really need mm, yeah and you just reminded me someone was saying to me just this week about the language you use about yourself mm. and how limiting even that can be. So oh. you know, so the difference between try and will. Um, I've really caught myself now being conscious of that fact. I say a hell of a lot of negative things mm. <laughs> to and I th myself I think we do. and my own speech. Yeah. yeah, I think we do. And, you know, if we think about the environment that we're in now, mm. when things are tough, yeah. if you and I, I can't prove this scientifically, I'm sure there's some science somewhere, but if we absorb too much of the negativity within social media or other channels without even realizing it, it's in our subconscious and we're regurgitating some of this stuff. Mm. So making a conscious choice on the things that influence us can help us get that NLP to a good place or to use clean language more effectively. 
Mm. And my second geeky question mm-hmm. was actually about artificial intelligence and things like sentiment analysis now Mm. we're using a lot of technology to try to read people's emotions Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the usefulness of that as a progressive cx tool or not (laughs) i'm 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 kind of in i'm kind of in two camps because the more sign the, the more scientists i speak to about the methods they're using to create a tool to help gain awareness I'm suddenly minding that I'm like oh well I didn't think that before originally I thought you know what all this sentiment stuff is based on language Mm -hmm. communication is not just a written word we know for a fact that verbal communication is something like seven percent of our overall communication everything else is about what we're seeing now it's Mm -hmm. about non-verbal stuff it's it's your posture it's your facial expression it's the sounds that you're making not just the words that you're using so some uh, people that i met who do this sentiment analysis based on just language i was getting a little bit hot about that thinking mm. do you know i'm not sure about that because the interpretation of it isn't right but then i also spoke only last week to someone who's got a startup they're taking all insight from slack so they'll basically scrape slack of everything the clips you share the language you use the frequency the all the stuff that you're sharing and they create a profile on you based on your contribution and the weird thing is it seems quite accurate so i think as time goes on I think it will be a useful tool to help create conversation. I don't believe that it can be 100% correct because we are too complicated at this moment in time for that. But hey, if you've got a machine that can be a human on go, who knows what the future holds, right? <laughs> no, true, true. I, I had a similar conversation with a startup before lockdown that was using like video capture to do something similar. So reading people's mm-hmm. body language. And they mm-hmm. were looking at that, like, how could this be applied to like customer satisfaction scores and stuff and wow. I, I really wasn't sure where I landed on that one but, yeah. <laughs> but so the, the, the notion of artificial sorry. intelligence and emotional intelligence like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah it is and I think you know um the neuroscientists out there will say that if you're able to capture the micro expression mm then you're onto something. If you base decisions on all facial expressions without the context of the situation, you're going to completely misread it because what you think looks like anger is absolute delight. Or, you know, that might, you know, the micro expression you get where someone shows something and then their conscious kicks in. They go, oh, no, you mustn't look like that. Don't say that. Don't say that with your face. And then all of a sudden you kick into something else. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like, I'm laughing because um, I've been told so many times you can read what I'm thinking <laughs> and I don't intend to obviously show that much. And, and also just the whole notion of having a resting bitch face sometimes <laughs> when I'm listening. I don't actually disapprove. I just, it, that is my listening face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think about AI then? What's your view on that? Well, so the previous episode with mm. Inez Martinez, we did talk a lot about uh, robotics and artificial intelligence in the future and our thoughts around um, the ethics of robotics and artificial intelligence. I think where I landed on it was because of interaction, sorry, voice interaction in the home now, which is in effect artificial intelligence helping me to complete tasks and do things. I guess I've got more comfortable with it being in my home however when I imagine 
um, the sci-fi version <laughs> mm. of artificial intelligence, it still freaks me out. But I think that's just because of the media and how it's demonized. So mm. um, I'm excited to see what comes, but I'm wary that customer experience especially is all about people and the humanity. And mm. I'm worried that without some serious injection of action into the customer experience sphere doing stuff that makes a difference mm. technology artificial intelligence some of these solutions that can sort it all out for you from a data perspective i'm worried will overtake <laughs> mm. the true conscious practice of um, human-centered design mm. so yeah i guess it, excited a bit scared and curious <laughs> yeah yeah would sum up my view on artificial intelligence absolutely <laughs> um so just moving into the next question i'm fascinated with your passion for education i've never met anyone that's called themselves a cx educator before <laughs> i along with my concerns for the future of cx feel that we are definitely lacking in actual education and where nowadays you can get a qualification by passing a multiple choice test in CX mm. I just wondered what your thoughts are on how we are going to develop academic mm. practice in a field where there is very little mm. do you have a view on that no, it's a great question and it's interesting because I teach undergrad and postgrad so I teach first years and second years about customer experience. And it's fascinating because their view on the world is quite different at this moment in time to the students that I teach post-grad. They're all digital, it's all online. And the human side of it is kind of taken for granted. Mm -hmm. So actually to have the opportunity to talk to these young people around, here are some human elements of customer experience here is the human interaction here is the nuance in the service here's that thoughtful expression that creates the emotion that creates the memory so that's quite a privilege actually to teach um, in London uh, with with these kind of every year every autumn uh, my my peers my fellow tutors all suddenly you'll get excited at who am I bringing in as a special guest is it someone from Dyson is it someone from Volvo who can it be uh, and it and it's really bringing it to life and showing them that there is a serious career for them in this if they want it it's not just just being uh doing this or just doing that they can really propel themselves that's one thing and the other thing really is around people who have found themselves moving career and and sometimes they've just kind of gone with the flow gone perhaps from marketing or operations or strategy into a cx role and i feel very very much the same as you which is it's not a multiple choice. Mm -hmm. It's We actually give them in this postgrad course uh, an assignment to do at the end, but in actual fact, throughout the five weeks that we're running it, they've got interventions to learn the all way through. Mm -hmm. And that's actually behavioral science. It's neuroscience, it's psychology. It's not an awful lot from the CX books. There's a bit in there from CX books, but most of it comes from the science that proves the evidence on how humans 
work Mm. and that's where I think all of a sudden the participants we have on the course suddenly go that's the reason why we need to do that or that's something we need to try because the science proves it you know I talked to some people about um uh, peak end rule I'm sure that you you know this Mm. one the Daniel Kahneman work and I say you know this is why answering complaints has got to be your number one it's got to be up there as a priority to recover the situation because actually these create indelible marks for people and this is the science behind it and we'd have a chat about that so the opportunity to educate both the undergrad and postgrad as I say is really quite a privilege because you see people taking this theory that you've you've kind of wrapped it up with a bow and given it to them as a gift and all of a sudden they're trying things that they can prove in the boardroom that the science is there mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a different it's a different ball game I feel as you can tell really Very passionate yeah. about it yeah because because I can see what it does for people I think that's the thing you know it's not just here's a case study of what somebody else has done here's some scientific fact that you can teach yourself apply this however you want to apply it yeah. You can do this yourself. What course is that? Sorry, just to give it a shout out. <laughs> so it's the Applied Customer Experience course, which I run um, out. Well, I have run it face to face out of Pearson, but I'm going to be running it online from September oh. um, of this year. So by, I, I guess actually this is my first shout out about it. So, <laughs> so I'll be putting some more stuff on LinkedIn about it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an online course and, and we'll be running it from kind of mid-September. So is it part of a bigger degree or? Not yet. Yeah, that's a great, another great question. Not yet. Um, where I teach, there are some conversations going on. So hopefully something will happen there. Yeah. A she degree says, in CX, that would be amazing. She, there, there, might, there aren't any, are there? There, aren't, there isn't actually a degree in CX anywhere. Um, I'm, I'm aware of there's a kind of customer service there's kind of there's customer service business management blend oh. but I'm not aware of um, anything no. in that space yeah I, I think we need we need something for the future I like I do really dream that at some point somebody is going to take on the mantle of <laughs> creating real CX education as a career path that comes with a, um, a degree or a, and a master's or mm. um, even a PhD um, but yeah I guess we're, we're a, wee, a wee way off off there because it is a fusion of so many disciplines and I really liked the point that you made about the foundation being human psychology and like for me I did a master's in marketing and we spent a real depth in time in consumer behavior right yeah in order to drive what is what marketing decisions but that was the thing that first turned me on to customer experience Mm. was the psychology element of it and similarly you know immersing ourselves in stats and proving points which is an academic framework for mm-hmm. um for learning and for articulating why you have evidence to suggest that you believe something right mm-hmm. and, and we don't have that generally in the cx community what we have is a lot of evangelism and passion and belief mm-hmm. but not that much evidence or we have an attachment to what we can see which mm. might be measurements metrics and insights and zero action so mm. yeah shout out to anyone listening if you're uh, in the education space i'd definitely be up for helping to craft that course outline 
yeah yeah for sure and I think that because so much new so many new things are coming to the fore I mean even you know we're talking about uh, AI we're talking about machine learning we're talking about um, sentiment analysis mm. you know, scraping data personality profiles all of these things are moving at such a pace and yet I've taught customer experience for uh, an established institution mm. and this they seem to still roll out some of the models that I learned when I studied this particular course 20 years ago and you're just thinking come on let's do this there's loads of stuff in science to help us understand yeah yeah well, I wrote a paper that was um the beginning of a book that I hope I might publish one day which is about like the CX I called it the CX delusion <laughs> uh, because I agree with you it's based on such old fashioned thinking and nothing has been updated since to say there is a seminal piece of work that you know changes the game and brings in yeah. all of that um multidisciplinary approach to fashion something that means universities would have textbooks to teach from that have proven um evidence-based research or articles to lead from um yeah. but it sure is a big big undertaking that um, I agree we need to move forward from so just to round this off then uh, it's been amazing talking to you like I <laughs> I, I I get this this feeling of you know uh, for those that are watching can see like a goose pimple rush on my arm <laughs> um, to hear your passion and your enthusiasm and your determination you. um to make a difference not only to customer experience but all of the people who are learning now on your courses I'm super excited to hear about this online course mm. um and of course if you ever need a guest speaker at any of your uh, <laughs> well you took the words right out of my mouth actually oh. there. And, that, and that's and that's the great thing about being able to take it online is because mm. I'm going to be putting far more about emotional intelligence into it yeah. because I don't need to drag people from across the world into a room really? I can just get them online we're just going to have mm -hmm. some zoom calls with some amazing people in this space so yeah it'd be great so it's a bit awkward if you invite yourself before you get asked <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say to you as well you big, big shout out there for the educators talk to me let's do this stuff together yeah. let's do it yeah, women together yeah w women in CX and education yeah totally. um, and I love this notion of CX educator so I guess my last question for you is just what advice do you have for women out there who want to get in greater touch with their emotional intelligence? Buy yourself a book, a plain book, and spend two minutes a day. Start off with a little timer of just two minutes, because I know that it's really difficult to commit to time every day, and just write down how you're feeling. Mm. The biggest way to unlock how to describe your emotions is just to find the words. People actually do want to talk about emotions, they just don't know how to. And so one of the first steps I invite my coachees to do is just to write something down once a day. Mm -hmm. Do that and let it flow. You'll find that you'll probably get to five minutes, maybe 10. And it really is quite, it's, I can't quite describe it actually. I, I, it's going to take me a moment to think of the words, but it feels like you're connected to something mm -hmm. that is bigger than you. And it also feels like you're really giving yourself some love. Mm -hmm. That's a great message to end on. Um, <laughs> again, thank you. It's really inspirational to hear you talk so passionately. It's given okay. me a really good reminder actually for myself 
um, especially about the words I say to myself and mm. that moment of pause between thinking and reacting. I think it's yeah. going to be val a valuable reminder for all of our listeners too. So just to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> thank you so much. And one final thank you to Joachim and our sponsors, Effectly. Brilliant. <laughs> I'll see you again very soon and looking forward to having the listeners back next week. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe or leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please join us at womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Next week, we'll be getting commercial, talking to a woman whose expertise even has CFOs raving about customer experience. See you then.